Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Top of the morning to you, Coach Roberts. Very top of the morning. Yes, sir. About as top as it gets. It's actually almost bedtime. (laughs) Yes, it is. I just like saying that. You do? I don't know where I got that. Well, we're going to have to start recording our podcasts in the morning so that I don't look at you so strangely when you say that. But we typically do our exercise first thing in the morning and do our coaching later in the day. That's right. Which for me, I was not naturally a morning person. I was always a night owl. So it was a learning curve and a process. But now I feel much better facing the day. If I've gotten up and gotten my workouts in the books. Yeah, if you wait till later in the day, it just seems like lots of other things come up that creates stress in your life if you try to fit in your exercise. Yes. So we're recording this podcast a little bit early, but if you're listening to it on the day of release, then I am likely headed up Heartbreak Hill or something right now. I'm running Boston. Yes, and it's going to be great to share your story on a future podcast. And where might you be on Monday? I will be crewing at the Moab 240 in Utah. You will be getting close to pacing. Yes, I'm expecting that I will start pacing after midnight on Tuesday morning, October 12th. 12th. Tuesday morning, October 12th. Yeah, so our friend Lee, who's participating in the Moab 240, is flying to Moab with his wife Suzanne tomorrow, and they'll get the lay of the land. And Friday morning at 6 a.m., his gun will go off, and he will start on his 240-mile, which is actually maybe 237 miles this year. Yes. I think based on trail conditions, they alter the course just a bit each year. But you were telling me a little earlier that they might be altering the trail again. What is up with that? There is potential snow in the forecast in the mountains. So they are considering rerouting one of the treks up a mountain to a lower elevation out of concern for safety. And the distance will then not be altered or will be altered? They did not say how that would impact the distance. Okay. So I think Moab 240 is from year to year, Moab 240-ish. Yeah. It's kind of like the Barclay Marathons in Tennessee, where they say each lap is a marathon, but other people say it's closer to 30 miles a lap. I thought you were going to say it's kind of like the Ironman in Chattanooga, Mm. where the bike ride, I think, is 116 miles instead of 112 miles. It is. So, yeah, it's Ironman-ish. Bonus miles. Yeah, so when you finish Ironman Chattanooga, you are not only an Ironman, you are an Ironman (laughs) (laughs) plus-ish. And that's a really tough course, especially on the run. Very tough. Very tough. 
So I have a topic I'd like for us to discuss today. Well, that's good because I hung out with my mom all day today and I haven't really thought a whole lot about a podcast topic. So I'm glad you're on the ball. And you had violin practice today. Let's just take a tangent already then. I'm sure you've noticed that I have been practicing my violin several times throughout the day now. And when I got to my lesson today, my instructor first of all said, well, would you like to play the first movement with me? Which it's always nice to have cover like that. So I was like, well, yes, I would. And I have it memorized and I have played it here really without missing a note. And I started playing with her and I guess the nerves just take over. But her tempo was a little bit slower than when I'm used to playing it. So I think my brain just had too much time to think and I was really slaughtering the piece. So then when we got to the second movement, which is my newest piece that I'm working on, for reference, I am in the fourth book of the Suzuki series and I am on the third piece, which is actually the second movement of the second piece, which is the first movement. (laughs) I'll take your word for it. You just have to take my word for yeah, it. Yeah, you lost me there. But go ahead. So she said, after we played together the first movement, she, of course, is so complimentary even when it's terrible. She is an encourager by nature. And have I mentioned she's younger than our children? I think you have, yes. <laughs> and she's so sweet. Anyway, she had me play the second movement by myself, which is my newest piece that I'm working on. And I was about to start, and she said, do you have it memorized? And I said, yes. And she said, well, I'm so impressed. So I said, well, don't be impressed yet. I haven't played it. (laughs) So I was playing through it fairly well. And then all of a sudden, it was just like I drew a blank. But then I picked back up and I got through it. But it also was not nearly as flawless as in my mind I thought it was when I was playing here at home. So I think I really just get stage fright at my lesson. Do you think your heart rate increases when you're playing the violin in front of someone? I think it does. And at the end of that piece, I was sweating. I was nervous. Were you breathing hard? I don't know. I was sweating though. But again, she was very complimentary. And the section I was the most proud of that I was playing flawlessly here is the one five measures that I really worked. You probably heard me playing a section over and over again. If you pay much attention, probably don't. (laughs) That's the five measure she said. Let's go back. Here's the part we really need to work on. I was like, I know she's not going to believe me if I tell her I was playing that flawlessly. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, for me, it's nice to have my violin teacher because it just reminds me of the importance of a coach and having someone help you get better but encourage you with where you are also. And I really do think we try to do that with our athletes is we want each athlete to improve and get better, but we also want them to feel very encouraged and proud of where they are. Yeah. Oh, the violin. Well, the topic that I wanted to discuss today, I'm entitled... Before I went on tangent. That's okay. Okay, yes, you have a topic. I've entitled it, Take a Breath. Maybe I should take a breath before I play the violin at class. It would not hurt for you to take a breath. So there are several things that we need to sustain life. You can go about three weeks or so without food and still survive, averaging things out. 
but there was a person who survived 74 days without eating during a hunger strike and eventually died. And you can do without water for about a week, maybe a little bit more, unless you're out in the heat and you're exercising, then it may just be a few hours before you your body can't take it and that's the end. With breathing, typically if you are without oxygen for about three minutes, you can't survive. You want to have a contest right now and see who can hold our breath the longest? No, and that's really dangerous to do. Okay. Well, we won't do that then. It's really, really Did dangerous. you ever do that as a kid, though? Go underwater and see who could stay under the longest? Yes. I feel like you and I did that in your pool when we were 12. You probably won because you're very competitive. <laughs> I don't remember who won. <laughs> you're saying we probably should not have played that game. Well, it just depends on how persistent you are. If you give up and come up for air and take a breath when it gets uncomfortable, yeah, that's okay. But if you're very determined and you stay under water or you hold your breath to the point of passing out, that's dangerous. It seems like when Jacob was working on his lifeguard certification, he had to work on a certain amount of time to stay underwater and build that endurance. I believe he did. We should have asked him about that on our show a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But according to my research, uh, someone was able to hold their breath for 22 minutes after building some breathing skills and holding the breath skills and also taking some supplemental oxygen before starting the clock. 22 minutes. That's a long time. Is that the world record? I don't know. I don't know. And my takeaway from that is while food is important and hydration is important, oxygen seems to be the most fundamental component to sustain life. Yes. And breathing is something that is involuntary. Our body just naturally does it, whether we're awake or asleep. Now, if you have sleep apnea, that I have learned is when you're breathing with your mouth and your airway gets blocked. I don't guess it matters if you're breathing with your nose or your mouth, but your airway gets blocked by your tongue and you quit breathing and you start yourself awake. So that's not a good way to sleep constantly starving yourself of air and waking up and going back to sleep. Anyway, full of tangents. So a long time ago, I don't know how long ago this was, but I read an article in Runner's World about breathing. And I just found it really interesting. And I tried to find that article recently. And I don't know if I found the right one, but I did find one on the topic that seemed to cover all the bases that I had remembered. Well, let me just say this about Runner's World. If you have subscribed to it for four or five years, you do start noticing the exact same content resurfaces because I guess maybe there's only so much you can write about. I suppose so. So even if you found it in 2014, it could have been recycled from your childhood for that matter. Yeah. I keep up with a lot of tech news and it seemed like a lot of the sites have the same news every day, like they're sharing notes. Speaking of tech news, this is a tangent, but we tend to tangent here. But guess, listeners, guess between Dean and me, who knew that Facebook was down this week? I knew Facebook was down. Yeah, and he said to me, 
Paula, did you know Facebook was down? And I was very proud to say no. I had no idea Facebook is down because I am really trying to be a little bit more cognizant of how I'm spending my time. And you didn't find out because you were on Facebook or trying to get on Facebook. You found out because in your day job, you study and look at a lot of technology and articles. And I think it was a technology article that you stumbled upon in your working research. Yeah, it was a headline on a lot of the websites that I follow. Well, there you go. Back to Runner's World. So I I do agree that the stories get recycled, but I have some copies of Runner's World, actual printed Runner's World, from back in the 80s. And I'd like to go through those sometime. I, I bet there would be some interesting articles that would be good to share on the podcast. I guess you stumbled upon those when you were helping clean out your dad's attic. Yes, when I was cleaning out the attic. So back to this article and about breathing. I just found the article really interesting and I I wanted to share that with our listeners today. So after reading this article, I practiced some of the suggestions and found it really helpful. Back when you read it the first time? The first time, yeah. Many years ago. Would you say when you were in high school? It was probably high school. Okay. Yeah. Just looking at the Runner's World magazines that I have today, that would have been in my high school years. Mm -hmm. But the article was talking about rhythmic breathing, being intentional about your breathing. Now, when we swim, we're very intentional about our breathing because we have limited opportunities to breathe. Right. And for our newer athletes, we really have to work with them on not holding their breath because when they're new to swimming, they will hold their breath. And then when they bring their face out of the water, they want to take care of their exhale and inhale all at the same time. I know you're probably going more of a run focus here since you're talking about runner's world, but continuous breathing and swimming is so important. Yes, it is. So some of the key points in this article include that when you are breathing while running, you are using your core for the breathing process, but you're also using your core to stabilize your body as you are pushing off and landing with each foot stroke. And when you are exhaling, you are loosening your core and there can be more of the impact driving up through your leg into the rest of your body because your core is not as engaged. So part of the rhythmic breathing is to exhale less than you inhale. And we encourage our athletes to try to have an odd-numbered breathing pattern. So if you're breathing in for three steps, you would exhale for two steps. Or if you're breathing in for two steps, you would exhale for one step. And while you're sitting here talking about this, I'm sitting here breathing and focusing on what my core is doing. And I'll just have to say that Runner's World is accurate by this one anecdotal experiment. I feel my core much stronger on my inhale than on my exhale. Yeah. So depending on the fitness of your cardiovascular system, your pattern may be different than mine or somebody else's. But you want to get a full breath and then exhale fully, whether that's a 2-1 breathing pattern, a 3-2 breathing pattern, or 4-3, or what I've noticed myself doing recently on my easy runs is like a 5-4 breathing pattern. Unless I'm 
running with somebody and we're talking and then I lose track of my breathing pattern then. But you want to use your diaphragm, you know, your stomach to fully fill your lungs with each breath. The more oxygen you can bring in with each breath, the less breaths you have to take and the less energy your body has to spend in the breathing process. And the more fully you exhale, the less carbon dioxide gets accumulated in the body, which is going to reduce your stress and your fatigue. Yeah, so a couple of points before we go on to something else. You were talking about an odd pattern where you inhale three steps, exhale two foot strikes or four three or two one, however it is. So as you begin that exhale, you're alternating which foot you're landing on when your core is in a more compromised relaxed state. And I think that that's probably overall better on your muscular and skeletal systems if you're alternating which side that exhale impact is hitting. Does that make sense? Yeah, so there's two aspects to it. One is, like you're saying, alternating which side of the body takes the force. And then the other aspect is if you breathe in more than you breathe out, then you're spending less time with your core relaxed. Right. Yes. And then based on what you were saying about wanting to more fully exhale, notice we're always saying our inhalation is more foot strikes than our exhalations. That's not because exhaling isn't important. It's because if you reduce the time you're exhaling, you're going to be a little bit more forceful in getting all of that carbon dioxide out. Yeah, and if you are taking your inhales more slowly, you're more likely to take a full breath. Right. So the other key to rhythmic breathing is that you can gauge your effort based on your breathing pattern. So I mentioned when I'm going easy, my pattern might be a 5-4, but as I speed up, it's going to end up shifting to a 3-2 and then eventually to a 2-1. So that's a, a good way to do an RPE type workout, rate of perceived exertion. We often say go conversational pace, and that's a good way of describing an easy workout. But if you're by yourself, you could look at your breathing pattern. And if it's your typical easy breathing pattern, then you're probably going easy enough. But if you are having to struggle with that breathing pattern or you can't sustain it, then you are probably going harder than you need to go. But the same can't necessarily be said in the reverse case where if your breathing pattern is too easy, then maybe you need to speed up. I would say that's not the case because our cardiovascular system improves in fitness more rapidly than our musculoskeletal system. Yeah, I mean, if it's a short spurt VO2 max workout, then you're probably safe taxing that breathing pattern a little bit because it's just very short time intervals that aren't going to be as hard on your muscular and skeletal systems. But if you're doing a 20-minute tempo at a certain pace and your breathing seems like you could go faster, you probably ought to stay within what your data shows the range you should be in and give your, especially if you're a newer runner, to give your muscles and bones a chance to catch up. I think that's good advice. And when you're doing those short bursts of speed, whether that's on a run or on the bike, it takes a while for your 
breathing or your heart rate to escalate. But as those fast efforts are extended, then you're going to notice the heart rate climb and the breathing increase. So speaking of rhythmic breathing, when you are having a difficult day, and I'm not talking about exercise now, just the cares of a daily life, if you feel overwhelmed or stressed, you can calm yourself down and loosen the stress by taking a few minutes and focusing on your breathing. If you take a breath, a deep breath, and count to three, and hold it for a count of three, then exhale for a count of three, and hold it for a count of three, and do this repetitively for a couple of minutes, you should notice your heart rate going down and your sense of stress going down as well. It's funny that you mention that because the last couple of nights I've had an extremely difficult time getting to sleep for a variety of reasons. Part of it's probably just, you know, concerns about my mom and her health, but the other part is as taper is upon me and I'm thinking about packing and race plan and the surprise Boston race I'm doing and just a lot going through my mind at night. And last night as I was laying there, of course, a lot of times when I can't sleep, I try to really think about things that the Lord would have me pray about. And so sometimes different athletes' names come to mind or different family members or people at church or some of our neighbors, That you know, those names will come to mind and I'll be prayerful. But last night, after all the things, my mind was still racing and I couldn't, I just couldn't think of another thing to pray for. <laughs> <laughs> and I had remembered reading or hearing in a podcast that if you're having trouble sleeping, then think about a breathing pattern. But I guess when you're laying in bed trying to go to sleep, instead of it being three, three, and three, it's eight, eight, and eight. So I started inhaling for a slow count of eight, holding it in for a slow count of eight, exhaling for a slow count of eight. And I I did feel my heart rate decreasing and I felt the stress lifting. I still didn't fall asleep, but hmm. it was calming. I've experimented with rhythmic breathing while driving in the past. <laughs> that sounds dangerous. I don't think it was dangerous. <laughs> it didn't it didn't lull you to sleep while you're behind the wheel. No, it actually helped keep me awake. Oh, interesting. And I was doing a pattern of a count of twenty breathing in and holding it and then exhaling and holding it for a count of 20. And I got to the point where I was watching mile markers. I was seeing how few of breaths I could take between mile markers without speeding up. Listeners, don't try this at home. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it helped me stay awake. After I just told you I read this article that those breathing patterns lull you to sleep. (laughs) Well, if you are doing a really slow breathing pattern to where it gets on the verge of uncomfortable. Mm. It's not like I'm trying to hold my breath for 22 minutes or anything like that. I'd be counting to 20 really fast. Yeah, that kind of defeats the purpose though. I'm sure. So another aspect of breathing, should you breathe through your mouth or through your nose or both? So I would say certainly when you're swimming, you want to breathe through your mouth. It's really unpleasant getting water up your nose. So let's not focus on swimming for this part of the conversation. Sometimes 
over the last year doing some research, I was learning that some studies have shown that breathing through your nose is a healthier way to breathe. And I feel like I breathe through my nose when I'm just going about normal everyday life. But typically when I am running or cycling, probably more so running than cycling, I'm breathing through my mouth. I'm trying to get in as much air as I can. Is that what you do? I feel like oxygen is inhaling through my nose and my mouth and it becomes more on the side of the mouth the harder the effort. Yeah, I would agree with that. So I started experimenting, it's probably been about six months ago, with nose breathing. I started practicing my rhythmic breathing, inhaling through the nose and exhaling through the mouth. Do you remember when I came to bed with a piece of tape over my mouth? (laughs) Yes, I do. And it made me think of the tape man, the duct tape man on America's Got Talent. This tape face. I think you can YouTube him. I don't think I've heard of him. Yeah, well, YouTube tape face, or I don't guess I mean YouTube it. (laughs) Google tape face and you'll get a YouTube video of a guy dressed in like a black and white clownish suit and he's got tape over his mouth. Did he win? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But I'm assuming you did not come to bed with tape over your mouth to try to win a talent show. No, I was experimenting with the idea that breathing through your nose is not only more healthy, but can also increase your athletic performance. While you're sleeping? Not while you're sleeping. (laughs) So how does that translate into putting tape over your mouth when you sleep? When you are breathing through your nose, and I've been told that I snore sometimes, but when you breathe through your nose, the hair and the nasal passageways, they filter the allergens and other things in the air from entering into the lungs. And by bringing the air in through the nose, there's moisture added and warmth in the inhaled air, and it's just easier for the lungs. And it's more healthy for your mouth because you don't have your mouth open as much and air is not going into your mouth. The allergens and the other contaminants in the air. So your nose is designed as a filter. If you breathe through your mouth, it's not filtered. Which makes me think I must mouth breathe somewhat when I'm running because This past Sunday, I did not run until almost evening. And it's getting cool enough in the air now that when the sun is setting, those annoying gnats or whatever they are that swarm the green belt, they were out in droves Sunday. I very quickly made sure I was nose breathing because I did not want a bug sandwich for dinner. So... You were intentionally breathing through your nose? Yes, I did not want those bugs in my mouth. But you did not want a bug in your nose either. I don't think I ever get bugs (laughs) bugs in my nose. I'm pretty sure one of our athletes commented that they inhaled a bug through their nose. You know, when you start coaching the numbers of people we coach, pretty much everything has happened 
to our athletes that you could think of. And just when we think nothing new could happen, something new happens. So it's always <laughs> exciting. Always an adventure. Yes, it is always an adventure. But back to my last couple of nights being sleepless, I become far more acutely aware of your snoring issues when I can't sleep. But I'm sure your issues are the same every night. It's just the nights I can't sleep, I become aware of it. You can poke me anytime you want me to wake up and quit <laughs> well, snoring. I don't, I don't know. I'm thinking, you know, if nose breathing is the answer, I can just have a little roll of duct tape on my nightstand. <laughs> and if the snoring gets out of hand, just... That would work. <laughs> no one saw that gesture. Yeah. But the mouth is imaginarily taped. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do that to you. All right. Also, breathing through the nose allows more oxygen to be utilized. This is because breathing through the nose releases nitric oxide, which helps increase the oxygen in the bloodstream. And as we're getting close to big races, which you are, we recommend drinking beetroot juice. Which I am. To increase the nitric oxide in your system, and then breathing through your nose is going to help you release that so that you carry more oxygen in the blood. So speaking of beetroot juice prior to racing, we had an athlete who contracted COVID just a couple of weeks before her race. And she didn't get very sick, thankfully, but she did get the common side effect of no smell and no taste, for which she was grateful because she drank that beetroot juice and she usually just gags it down, and this time, it's no problem. I don't have any problem with beetroot juice because I mix in protein powder with it. Tastes pretty good to me, <laughs> but my eating habits are strange. They're healthy. You uh, sport that red mustache really well, though. Oh, thank you. <laughs> there have been studies that have tested athletes, having them, for a period of time, focus on breathing through their nose and comparing that to another group that are breathing normally through their mouth. And they have seen an increase in the processing of oxygen and an increase in performance compared to the, the people who weren't breathing through their nose. So that's something I would encourage you to give a try. It's not something that you can just flip a switch and now you're breathing through your nose. Just like there wasn't a switch that was flipped to go from breathing unintentionally to breathing rhythmically. It may take a little bit of time, but I feel like it's been good for me. It's a good experiment for each person to try to see if it works best for them. Yeah, and I think I was about a year into running before you started talking with me about my breathing pattern because I was just the opposite when you actually, I wasn't aware of it at all, but when you started asking me about it, I was actually inhaling two counts and exhaling three counts. So I was really just depriving my body of oxygen. And I was also, my frame, my core was in a weakened state more than it was in a strong state. And I was not able to switch that overnight. Like now when I go running, it's very rare that I count my breathing pattern just because it's like anything else. It becomes second nature once you get it figured out. But 
I really had to count and focus and I would come home and go, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I cannot do that. But as I continued to be aware of it and persistent with it, it became a habit and my running started improving. So I do know that it makes a difference. And then when I started cycling competitively because I wanted to do triathlons, I thought about that rhythmic breathing immediately on the bike instead of foot strokes you're thinking about it in terms of pedal rotations as I was cranking my pedals I was also inhaling for three revolutions and exhaling for two or you know depending on the effort that would vary but I did try to cognitively get all the oxygen in and then force it out get it all in and force it out and with swimming it's different I mean you you have to grab the air when you can and that's why You see a lot of professional triathletes, they breathe every right arm stroke or every left arm stroke. They in, out, in, out. So they're at least getting a one-to-one ratio. Yeah, and it comes back to measuring your effort based on your breathing. When you're going really fast, you're going to have to breathe more. Whereas if you're going a comfortable pace in the pool, you may be able to do some type of bilateral breathing especially in a swim competition or a triathlon. You want to get as much oxygen as you can, and you want to be able to sight. You also want to be able to breathe to both sides. That's for sure. So even if you are breathing with every arm stroke on one side, I know a lot of times what we'll do at the pool is we'll always breathe to the same wall so that when we're going one direction, we're breathing to the right. And when we turn around and come back, we're breathing to the left. And that helps you be efficient on both sides. Yeah. So when you and I would be in lanes next to each other, I would always be breathing to where I could keep an eye on you. <laughs> That's funny because I'm usually breathing the opposite direction. <laughs> Although I do um, bilateral breathing most of the time in the pool. Yeah. So back to breathing through your nose. Breathing through your nose can help you to be more relaxed. It can help your athletic performance. It can help with recovery. And because your nose is filtering the air, it may prevent illnesses, reduce your allergies, and reduce getting a cold. Yeah. And oxygen is fuel to your muscles. Your muscles use oxygen to do the work, which is important. So the harder you're working, the more oxygen you're going to need. And this plays out in a couple ways for me. Once I got my rhythmic breathing figured out, then I realized I wasn't really breathing efficiently. And this is something that my physical therapist helped with. He noticed I breathe really shallow and so he really encouraged me to make sure I'm breathing to where I actually feel my abdomen rising and falling rather than my chest rising and falling so I think that made a difference as far as fuel efficiency oxygen efficiency and then the other thing about breathing for me is it helps me realize when I'm more mentally exhausted that I am physically exhausted because sometimes when I'm doing a tempo run and I just feel like, man, I cannot maintain this pace, then I immediately switch from that thought to, well, let me see what my breathing's doing. And if I'm still able to hold a breathing pattern 
that's three two where I'm able to inhale for more foot strikes than I'm exhaling, then I know I'm really not taxing myself to a point that I can't sustain the workout. Yeah, that makes sense. So as you're thinking about breathing in your next workout, be thinking about a rhythmic breathing pattern and consider breathing through your nose. It should make a difference. Do you have a scripture you'd like to share today? Well, it just seems like there's one scripture that stands out that would really make sense for today's breathing podcast, and that is Psalm 150, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.